Thank you, Pastor Frank. It's really good to be here with you. I'm going to invite you to continue in the uh, learning of God's Word and the applying of God's Word to open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter 6 this morning. And uh, as we uh, begin that, let me just again remind you this time of year, we're coming up on on Thanksgiving week, a great week for us to celebrate God's faithfulness to us and to thank Him and thank others in our lives. Black Friday's the day after, so you're going to go right into the Christmas spirit within a week. And I want to encourage you, every year at this time, we take an over and above Christmas offering. And this year, we're our, probably our most aggressive offering in the amount of places that we're going to be investing in. We have four key areas, two here in the city of Topeka and two out around the globe. We're going to share those throughout the month of December with you. But I'm just telling you, we want to, the, the key for this year is let's keep this a simple Christmas. Let's not get into debt over Christmas. I don't even remember most of the gifts that were given to me last year. So let's focus on uh, remembering the person of Jesus and God's incredible gift to us through Jesus. We're going to ask you to spend less so that you can give more. And in my family, what that means is instead of my kids buying gifts for me, I have them make gifts for me. And the money that they would have bought those gifts with, they give to this offering. I also have, they all have their lists and I have, I tell them, you choose the gift you don't want and what that costs, I'll give to this offering. And we do that as a family. And you know what? Every year since we've done that, since we've been doing this over and above Christmas um, offering, we've been blessed as a family. We've just seen God work and to keep the simple message of Jesus the center of our celebration of Christmas. I want to invite you to do that and keep that in the back of your mind as you're getting all those great deals on Black Friday. Now, let's go and look at Ephesians chapter 6. Paul is continuing his whole picture of calling us to live wisely, love deeply as we shine the light of Jesus through our lives. He's talking to us about authority. And in, in Ephesians 5.21, he says that we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That thought is going to continue. It started in our marriages and now it moves into our households with our children. It moves into our jobs and that whole picture of authority in our lives. How do you handle authority? Whether you're following someone or leading someone, how do you handle authority? We don't like to submit to authority because we here in the United States worship our rights. We like our personal rights and no one should tell us how to live. And so when you come to Jesus, Paul says, you give up your rights. You do. You give up your rights to follow him. He's the one. You don't just understand that he is the way to God, but his way is the best way for you. So you follow him. And Paul's going to talk to us about that. Now, we're going to see instructions for children obeying their parents. And we're going to see instructions for, and I know it's strong words, slaves obeying masters. And let me just give you a cultural background. In, In the Roman Empire, half of the population were slaves. Unlike the United States, it wasn't based on race. It was based on economic position. It was based on one one country conquering another and enslaving them. It was based on indebtedness, and you'd put yourself under that. And it was cruel, and it was harsh, and it wasn't fair. And the Apostle Paul, in writing, not just in here, 
But in uh, places like Galatians 3.28, where he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, emancipated from the picture of God, humanity. Dr. Martin Luther King, in his human rights advance, uh, advancements in, in our own country, quoted that passage from the Apostle Paul. That's going to be a key area of learning. But here... Paul is really looking at the power and transformation of love in relationships. And he, he focuses on a breakdown of our hearts. So we can see uh, that it's with our hearts that we affect everything around us. And it's with our hearts that we submit to what God is doing in our lives. We accept what God is doing in our, in our lives. And we follow him. And under a totalitarian regime of Caesar, who called himself God... Paul calls every believer in Jesus Christ as he cleared away the boundaries and and made the ground level around the cross to submit to the authority over us. We can certainly apply this to employee, employer, or anyone over us today, and that's what we're going to be doing. So let's read Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. It says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he is bo- who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Again, Paul is is showing us that picture of authority in our lives. And he girds it with some principles. There's some key principles that I think are good for us to know as he calls us into this. First of all, just by the order of his of his writing and his calling us to submit to authority, he's saying that the balance of authority is established in the home and it's reflected in the community. God has always started with the home. He's always started at that home and our homes have profoundly impacted us either for really good or for really bad. And and so Paul's going to always call parents to take that responsibility. Paul never calls the church to usurp the responsibility of parenting children. And some of us kind of go, you know, if this is the only place where your kid hears about Jesus, this is the only place where your child is challenged in the scriptures and to follow Jesus, then he or she is not going to get enough to follow Jesus. It is in the home that's that center point for the family to influence and to develop and to disciple faith. So as the family goes, so goes the community. Because as we're involved in more and more uh, ministries, serving people in broken places like our, the prison systems, as we get more involved in going into the prisons and talking with those who are incarcerated, we see a common pattern that, that just is repeating itself into family after family. Where was dad is usually the question. 
And most of them are, I didn't have a dad, or my dad left, or my, I never knew my dad. So there's a breakdown in the home that is always reflected in the community. So Paul is always going to start with the home. Secondly, the greatest predictor of the future is the present reality in the home. And in our own lives, if you just think about it, think about what you deal with and how a lot of that has come from the family you grew up in. Think about some of the greatest hurts and also some of the greatest blessings were either sometimes provided or, you know, have prevented you because of your family. And your present reality is something that Paul calls on every parent to say, look at the reality in your family and and understand those patterns need to be broken if they're negative and they need to be encouraged if they're positive. And I think this is a really key point. Because as a parent, and by the way, I'm sharing this, there's no extra charge on these, even though they're not in your notes. But there's three roles that you'll you'll have over the course of raising your children. The first one is a cultivating role. And that's when your child is born. You just take them, you do everything for them, and you change their diaper, and you feed them, and you keep them happy, and you make sure they get enough sleep, and they make sure they're safe and healthy. And then they grow up, and, and they start walking, and they start talking, and then you move in around that eight or nine age. You move into a coaching role, where you're no longer in the game controlling everything in their lives. You're starting to see them go independent a little bit, and you're coming alongside, and you're coaching them. You're not in the game. You're on the sidelines. You're not over-involved. You're starting to, starting to go, good job. That was a great... And they're getting affirmed in their faith. They're getting affirmed in, in the decisions they're making because when they turn 18 and they leave your home, hopefully someday your kids will leave your home. But when they leave that home, you move into consultant role. See, if you still coach when they're an adult, you're going to be controlling and overbearing. You want to cultivate a relationship and you want to coach a relationship with your child so that when they're out of that home, They want to come back, not to stay forever, but they want to come back to get your wisdom. So you want your your kids, when they're facing something, to have you as one of their top calls. Hey, Dad, what do you think about this? I'm thinking about doing it. Mom, I don't know what to do in this relationship. What wisdom do you have for me? And there's no greater joy as a parent to be on that top list with your kids. When they're 18, I need your wisdom, Dad. That's where you want to be. Because I'm 47 years old and I still want to hear from my dad. I still want to hear, I love you, I'm proud of you, and you have what it takes to address reality. See, I, that, that is the role of the parent. We come along and at that point as consultant, we don't engage them like we did when they were three-year-olds. And we separate from them after we've coached them. And we come along and we affirm them. We still fill that, fill that role. The greatest predictor of the future is your present reality in your home. So now, when you're a cultivator, when you're a coach, speak. Speak life into your children. Speak life into your family. If you see something, little Timmy at five steals something or says a lie, and you think, oh, look at how cute that is. Put it on Facebook, you know? Stop. Correct that. Correct that now when it's cute. Because at 20, when he's stealing things, it's not going to be cute. And you're going to correct him in love. The law does not correct in love. The law slams down. He's going to, it's going to be far more painful when he's older or she's older. 
if she doesn't get her way at four, do you think when she's 30 and she doesn't get her way, her husband's going to escape wrath? No, no. So what you correct when she's younger is going to bear a blessing when you're a consultant in the future. And it's going to bless every one of her or his relationships in the future. So understand that. What's happening right now? What do I need to do to address the reality as a parent who loves his children? If you're dating someone and you see these patterns, do you think the little fairy at your wedding who goes, I now pronounce you husband and wife, is going to sweep away all the problems? No, what whispers you in dating is going to scream at you in marriage. We have to understand these patterns are worth breaking in us. And as a parent, you fill that role. And then finally, on these principles that Paul girds his practices, he says, when God calls you, when God calls you to submit to authority, I just see this pattern. He, he provides a push to obedience and a pull to blessing. Let me explain that. He says to children, if you're a child right now, listen up, which we all are, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He doesn't say when they give you the cash you want, when they're nice to you, when they're sensitive to you. It's an imperative. It's a command. Obey your parents. He says to slaves, obey or servants, obey your earthly masters. Employees, obey your employers with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. And you go, what? What? You don't know my boss. My boss is not like Christ. My boss is like Satan. And you can make up your thing of all why, you know, Jesus and your boss are not the same. But we're not given that choice. We're called to do it. But if God is going to call us to do it, look at what he also does. He calls whoever leads us to an even higher standard. So whatever role we're in, it's never for our benefit. If we're submitting to leadership, God's going to call that leadership Also into obedience. And so he's going to call fathers. He's going to call fathers in verse 4. Don't provoke your children to anger. Because it's a blessing when you don't correct out of anger. You correct out of love. And bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. In other words, what God has entrusted with you, entrust to your kids. Be a blessing spiritually to your children. So if God's going to call you obedience... Don't just look at the bad side of obedience. Look at the joy of obedience. Look at the blessing he has for you. He's preparing and God's commanding the heart of those who lead us. If they'll listen. To create an environment where it's easy for us to submit. Husbands, love your wives. And as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, if that husband gives himself up for his wife... It's easy for her to submit to his leadership. And, and employer, employers, look at that. Masters, it says, do the same to them. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who's both their master and yours is in heaven. There's no partiality with him. See, God's going to call us. Whatever he calls us to obedience, he's also going to prepare a blessing. We've got to trust him. So knowing that God is for us and not against us, knowing that God, whenever he calls us to obedience, also has blessing, we can trust him and we can trust him. So what Paul shows us now is he gives us the practices of how to handle authority. And he deals with the two sides of authority. And when you live life, those that's reality. It's reality. And you have to learn how to balance the two sides 
of authority. How do you do that? Well, every one of us can balance authority in our lives by doing two things. Let's look at the first one here. Number one, by honoring those who lead us. By honoring those who lead you. Paul starts out, you honor those you lead, uh, who lead you because number one, God is the one you honor first. It's always God who we honor first. He's the one in authority. So we have to have that honor for God. Honor for God means his way, not my way. It means that we're not, it's not about me. When you believed in the gospel, if you put your faith and trust in the work of Jesus on the cross, do you realize you, you decided at that moment to submit to the plan of God for your life? You did. Because all of us kind of come to Jesus where we go, okay, if I go to church and if I'm a good person and if I do all these things, you'll love me, you'll forgive me, and I'm, I'm good enough to get in. I'm not the perfect person, but I'm good enough to get in. And Jesus says, absolutely not. You can't save yourself. Only I can save you. So when you believe in Jesus, you refuse... You refuse to try to perform for God's acceptance. And you trust in the only one who can save you. You put yourself under the covering of Jesus. Uh, do you realize that it's not just, um, it, it's God at work in his plan in your life that you need to submit. It's no longer your way. It's his way. That's what the lordship of Jesus is all about in our lives, that we honor him and we put ourselves. There's never a day you should wake up and go, God, you're the one in charge. I I submit myself to your leadership. Secondly, you don't just have honor for God. As Paul has been drawing out through this whole book, you have an honor for the gospel. In other words, it's the plan of God that he's been working out before the foundation of the world to unite everything in him, things in heaven and things on earth. To unite all things in Jesus Christ. That's a plan we're to be a part of. It's the gospel. It's God's restoring and redeeming humanity back to himself. This is the quintessential plan. It's a much greater, grander story than you or I could develop. It's a greater plan than you and I could even try to put together in what we'd call an ego, uh, a position, a career, accomplishments, Everything needs to submit, as Paul did, to the advancement of the gospel in my life. And if that's the case, there's going to be places, dark places, that you and I are called to go and work in and submit to, even unfair, evil practices around us, so that we can shine the light of the gospel. Christians, we don't like that. We like really safe places that are comfortable with a lot of light around us and we can have fun and we know all our friends and get all our terms going right with Christianity and we're all family, right? I don't like the world. Let's go to church. I like church. Church is safe. And the reality of that is doesn't advance the gospel, does it? See, we come here to be filled up so we can go pour out in there. We come here to connect to connect to true north so that we have direction and perspective out in the world we're called to do that so everything submits to the gospel it's not my plan some of you go man you don't know my situation joe it is dark could you ever think and imagine imagine as you read the book of ephesians that the god of the universe doesn't know where you're at could you ever imagine that he knows exactly where you're at comes no surprise he's not reading the paper in africa going, oh yes hishma and topeka forgot about you no he knows exactly where you're at 
Nothing takes him by surprise. And could you imagine if you don't go to those dark places, who will? Who will? If not you, who? You're the light. You're, you have the light of the world in you. Christian, we have to engage those environments and sometimes even submit to those environments that are far less than perfect with a leader who's far more broken than even you are and insecure so that the light of the gospel can go forward. And then thirdly, that means and you honor someone. It also means you honor for everyone who is placed in leadership over you. That means that um, you're, you're, um, th- there's leaders in your life that you agree with and are easy to follow, and there's leaders that you disagree with, but you continue to follow. We're called to do that because you can be destructive in the gospel by the way that you criticize the leadership over you. So my question comes to you is, what does the wake of following others look like in your life? How are you honoring those who are over you? Do you honor, first of all, God? See, it's really frustrating for you to wear a cross and live like hell. It's really frustrating. And I have never been more frustrated than to call myself a Christian and live a very non-Christian life. That's really frustrating. Hypocrisy costs something. It's not like you can just smile on one day over an hour and 15 minutes and live however you want to apart from the authority of God. We need to submit to his leadership. And as you submit to his leadership, what about his plan? See, it's no longer a prayer that goes, God, help me to advance and help me to do better and help me to get this and help me to have this. It's more about, God, your will be done through me. May the gospel move through me today. And what about those who lead us? How are we honoring them? A lot of us, you know, let's pray for those people. And I know what you're thinking. I pray against them every day, Joe. They're on my list. God, get them. You know? And we do that with righteous anger, you know? But that is not the heart of this text. This means we pray for them. God, bless them today. Bless those who curse you. Yeah. Who's, Jesus said that, didn't he? Yeah, we're called into this picture, folks, that is so counterculture, so revolutionary, that only love could be the motivation for us acting and behaving like this. That means we come alongside. How, what would it be said of you if we could just look at your past because and your present right now? Because that's the only reality we have going for us, and that will repeat itself. What if I brought up references who could physically and verbally tell me, how are you submitting? What if I could bring your parents up here? How, kids, how are you following the leadership of your parents? Joe, don't go there. You don't know my parents. I don't, but God does. And he's placed you in that family. I couldn't control that. Do you know how little we can control in this world? Yeah, none of us control our parents. But God has placed you in there. Are you, yeah, I respect them everyone. So are you honoring them? Do they know you're for them? What about your spouse? Are you honoring your spouse? Are you giving your last and your leftovers or your first and your finest? Do you honor those who you follow? What about your, you know, what about your boss? Could your boss come here and say, you know what? That guy is a blessing. He doesn't gossip. 
He doesn't build his own little political unit in this company that just tries to pick at what we're doing here. I feel supported by that person. Could, could we really do that? You see, that's that one side of authority we all are under. And I've learned for me, it's been revolutionary when I've allowed people into my life who I submit to and I follow their leadership and I listen to. I listen to our elders and I listen to our elders shape me and shape our ideas before we move forward. I listen to you before we advance as a church. You better believe I'm sharing ideas amidst the congregation, amidst people here, because I want to know if we lead in this way, will you follow you see, that's how we, that's how we follow. We lead well when we follow well. We all follow God, but there has to be that pattern of submission to authority in our lives. How you follow will determine how you lead. So honoring those who lead you is that one side, but here's the other one, and that's, it's loving those who follow you. So honoring those who lead you and loving those who follow you are the two sides of authority. Here, in the same way where children are called to obey their parents, the same passages, fathers are called as leaders. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Masters are called, or employers are called, knowing whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord when he treats his employees good. That she stops threatening her employees. That she understands her master is in heaven when she has a leadership position here on earth. You see, we we learn to love those who follow us. And here Paul calls us to love them as equals. That's one of the greatest uh, tools of destruction in our world is the comparing and contrasting with your life and someone else's. I look at the destructive nature that's done with me. How am I doing compared to everyone else my age or in my grade? Or can I be the best? And I don't have what it takes. And whether the good side or the bad side, either pride or insecurity that breeds from that environment, the gospel, gospel just kicks the leg off that chair for you to stand on anyone except Jesus Christ. And it's freeing then for the ground to be level at the cross. I may be in a leadership position, but you know what? I'm not superior in God's eyes to you. Matter of fact, you may serve him better by following me with a heart that's more motivated out of love than I might be in leading you. But the God of the universe who weighs everything sees us as equals. None of us are superior. I know as you look at the sound bites in the media, it's easier to see one religion sees itself as more superior than the other. The reality is that the ground is level at the cross. We all need Jesus. I'm not here because I'm good. I'm here because Jesus is perfect and he died for me. You know, that's that whole picture. We love, we love our people as equals. The person who cleans bathrooms in this church is the same as the person who preaches on the weekend. We're equals before the Lord. And so if I'm in a leadership role, I don't view myself as superior. Secondly, we love, we love in justice. We love with justice, that we're fair, that we do things right, that we do things that, that uh, don't exploit, that, that people can, can intuitively follow you in leadership. They don't go, wow, he's being partial to that person. 
It's in the same way that masters are called. That no partiality with people who work for you. There's not special perks for one over another because you like them more. It's, it's impartial. It's justice. That means when you explain discipline to your children, they have some, they have some bearing. They understand that. They get a picture of God's justice by how you correct them. So many times it's easy for me just to throw the flag and go, because I said so, you know, which means the conversation's over. But in reality, I can lose a heart when I just pound a principle without addressing the heart of why the principle's there. We need to love with justice. And then, and then finally, we need to love as a family. Paul, Paul calls us that as we are related because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we're together. We're the household of faith. We're the family of God. We're the body of Christ, as he's called us. We're all related. We're all related. So we love each other as family, even if we lead each other. We understand that's a fellow brother. That's a fellow sister in Christ. And we love them. So if this is the wake of leadership, of loving those who follow you, what does your wake of leading others look like in your life? Because the number one word that comes out from the, that could summarize your leadership, if you are a leader right now, and we all have environments of leadership, every one of us right now, whatever role we're filling, there's going to be an area of leadership every day in our lives. Could it be said that you lead with love? Does your wife know that you love her? Do you take the time to tell her every day that you love her? I do. In my first 15 seconds, I go to my wife. I give her a kiss, even if it's front of the kids, even if she's talking on the phone. That person on the other line go, are you kissing someone? Yes, she's kissing me. And, and I show her I love her. I'm intentional with date nights so that we go out. She's, she's a priority for me. She She's important. She's not a little check on the box. Do your children know they love you, that you, that you love them? Would it be shown, dad loves me? I mean, are you a priority? Do you initiate love in their lives? Is there always a time every day, I love you? I'm proud of you. You have what it takes with God in this world to make a difference? See, that's the role that you fill in leadership. You come alongside those people and you love them. Could it be said uh, of you in, in, your, uh, in your job, would your employees say that you love them? Would your team members say you love them? Everyone matters to Jesus. And in leadership, you're going to show the love of Jesus. You're going to show that love that has transformed your life. It needs to move through you, not just to you. And you do that through leadership. And on our leadership team here, every Tuesday morning from 745 to 9 o'clock, we get together and we just have a time of processing life. And there's been a time as a leader here where we just go through and we process some difficult things. There's been a time when I've said, guys, what is it as you look at the way I lead you that uh, prevents you from following me or that struggles with that's a struggle with you following me? And you know what? A lot of times they've been very affirming, but there's been some times when one of them would say, man, you don't communicate clearly with me and it's hard for me to follow you. You know how hard that is for a visionary leader to hear? 
I'm kind of like, you should kind of get that. That's what I think. I'm not saying that. But, but I've had to step back and I have to realize, man, I want these guys to, I want them to know I love them. Do you know I pray for every one of our staff people every day? I've got the big long list. And I pray through, do you know I pray through our elders and their families every day? Because I want them to know, that's the way I ask God to help me love them more. I pray for my family members every day. I pray for my wife every day. I pray for you in the church every day. By name, by name, that's how I do. I, I mean, I send out a birthday card to everyone who's connected at our church. That's how I pray for every name over the course of the year. As I just write a short little note, even signing my name, I pray for the name on that envelope because I want you to know that I love you. I want this church by the end of my ministry here to say, you know what? I didn't always agree with him on everything, but I knew he loved me. I want to be that because I see it's that environment that I want to lead out of. I want to lead out of the love of Jesus who loved the church and gave himself up for her. I want to love like that. And I've found that when I understand that authority is there for me to submit to and me to love through, God's name is glorified. The gospel advances and, and Jesus Christ is in his church ruling and, uh, and is honored and glorified. So let us now, as we just commit our lives to this, Think about this balance. How are we doing? How are we doing uh, as we honor those who lead us and love those who follow us? Would you just bow your heads with me as we close? Heavenly Father, it is our desire as your church, as we've seen the truth of authority in your word over these past two weeks, that we've seen that you are overall, so we place our lives under your lead leadership, under your lordship. We put the gospel as the most important thing in our lives to commit to, and we submit to the gospel, and we submit to every authority you have placed over us. May we be a people who honors those in leadership. And Heavenly Father, we also recognize you have given us roles to fill in leadership, whether it's in the home or outside of the home. And we want to be people who lead with equality, lead with justice, lead as a, with a family love as we love those who follow us. It's my prayer, Heavenly Father. And knowing this truth now, that we would be men and women who would be great followers of you so that we can be good leaders of others. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.